2: That's chumbacasino.com.
0: No purchase necessary. VTW. Void We're prohibited by law. See terms and
3: conditions 18 plus.
0: Searching for just the right job? Whether you're looking for full-time, part-time, or seasonal work, you can get started today. Amazon Jobs offer the whole package with great pay and flexible shifts that allow you to choose when and how much you work. Find a warehouse close to home and discover the role that works for you. To get your application started for an hourly job, go to amazon.com slash apply. That's amazon.com slash apply. Amazon is proud to be an equal opportunity employer.
1: Welcome back into another edition of the kickabout here on the blue room. I'm your host, Rob Vera joined uh, again for, I guess now, a third week in a row, it might be some sort of record, Hannah, though I think Les and Kate might might potentially be in there, too I, I don't keep track of, of shit like that, but uh, Hannah Farrell is joining us once again Hannah, how are you?
3: I'm good, thank you, and I think it's like a record in terms that I only did my first uh, kickball in May And mm. look at me now, I'm on it every week, so I think
1: it's a new record Can't <laughs> get enough of you, Hannah, can't get enough of you <laughs> And speaking of can't get enough of Mike Diasha, boy, Mike, if I had known that Matt was going to leverage you so heavily on Blue Room this week, I would have maybe considered giving you giving you this time off. But I, I in fairness, I asked you uh, to do this. I feel like a couple of weeks ago I said we were going to circle back and you would be back on again. So I feel like you're kind of grandfathered in. Uh, so I won't. So if anyone has any complaints about Mike being overexposed this week, uh, <laughs> you know you can send those directly to uh, Matt Jones. Uh, that's that's all on him. Mike, how are you doing today?
2: I'm good. I'm good. I'll be sending my complaint to Matt Jones for having too much of me because <laughs> no. you know, the only person who's going to be sick of me is me. Um, yeah, yeah I, quite, I quite like the idea of me being the Depeche Mode of the Blue Room. Like, I like that as an idea. I'm into that. But yeah, I'm all right. I'm sat. I've got a beer. I'm applying for jobs and almost forgot that this was going to take place and everything's gravy.
1: Yeah. I I will say that something you mentioned, it's been on my mind really randomly, but something you mentioned on Subs Weekly, um, God, I guess it was yesterday or the day before, about how you were going to have, essentially chili cheese fries or chili cheese chips is if you will uh that that just that, that I it's so a summer staple here especially in Oklahoma where we certainly treasure uh chili and cheese being put on basically anything uh and and that just means that it's summer did you end up uh having that meal uh did that end up working out i had that
2: meal two nights <laughs> on the run i oh, had yeah. it two nights ago and i had it last night honestly like yeah, I'm big into it at the minute. Like, just there is something that I love about that Americanism of. Do you know what I'm gonna do for me? Tea is I'm just gonna get some sort of carbs and I'm gonna get something with meat and cheese and stick it on top, and that's a meal. I love that. Like, that might be yeah. my life now. Because you know? Yeah. Like, I think that the English version of that is just getting a load of pasta and putting a load of orange sauce on it. Like that uh, mascarpone sauce. Like, do you know when you really can't be myself. bothered and you just go tomato mascarpone sauce, pour it yeah. on, a bit of pasta, that's a meal. It's the same sort of thing, but your vibe is so much nicer. And I mean, yeah. It.
1: Look, if we can wrap it in bacon or pour cheese on it, uh, we can make a meal out of anything, really. I mean, it's it's uh, it's one of those things where nachos are. Or potentially a meal here whereas they would probably be a, a snack or a, a, side sauce or a yeah, you yeah. Know, Like
2: nachos is a mad one because i i was actually talking about this the other day when someone suggested the idea of nachos for tea it was i always loved the idea of nachos like as an idea belta yeah go on i could scrant an entire thing of nachos but if you put a plate of nachos in front of me i'll eat about six or seven and then go <gasps> I don't know. You yeah. uh,
3: know, they're my well, favorites. I made some balsas like two weeks ago, actually, with all jalapenos and chilies and everything. Well, and some vegan chili on. Yeah,
1: top. that's the key—is what you put on, because I, I have zero interest personally in uh, nachos. It's all about just, just chips and or. Crisps, whatever. I feel like I'm always having to translate, but whatever. Like ch- just cheese is not enough. For no. me, it's gotta have it's gotta have more. Like guacamole, me, sour guacamole, sour cream, pico de gallo, uh, which would be perfect. you know what do you guys know what pico de gallo is? No, it's it's basically um a mix of like uh it's tomato it's uh, tomatoes chopped up with onions and cilantro Ooh. and it's 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 basically a, a chunky salsa if you will.
3: oh okay yeah but, throw it's, that you, on. but
1: it's more solid so you can use it as a condiment i mean it's perfect it really is.
3: uh yeah so you need that and then i put some vegan chili on my nachos with some jalapenos some peppers and then some sour cream
1: oh, and some nice. vegan cheese Hey, you guys! You guys Sorry, you
3: know, He saying meat and cheese, and I was like, "Oh
1: yeah, meat and cheese." Uh, yeah, I, <laughs> I like uh, You know, guys, for any of the difficulties of life that come that are that come with being young and being in your twenties, uh, which you know, we were talking before we started to hit record about how tough the job market is and, and those sorts of things. I do want to implore you to seize life while you can right now. When it comes to eating absolute garbage food like Mike eats, like you need to just do it. I I could put jalapenos on everything and not it, not even blink an eye. Uh, back in in back in my day, if you will, if I can say it in the oldest, foggiest way possible, but. Um, I can't do that anymore. Uh, I can do. I can add flavor, but man. Spicy, spicy gets harder as you get older. Um, it's it's a it's a real thing, and I'm I am genetically predisposed as a uh, as a Latino to you would think being able to just eat that food for the rest of my life. That is not so. Uh, my, my that ability has gone the way of my hairline. And, I will tell you that there is no chinktosin like uh, solution for, for that as you get older, um, you know, with, with your with the spicy food. So just want to make you guys aware how fortunate, at least in that regard, that you certainly are. I'm
3: gonna get wow, a jar talking. of jalapenos when we get when we stop.
1: <laughs> See, I'm it's lunchtime here, so I'm really hungry. Uh yeah, go ahead, Mike, while we're well, talking. While about- well, well, we've got on to
2: hair very quickly. Han, when are you getting your hair done?
3: Why can you see me roots that bad? No, I can't I'm really seeing you at I, all. I, like
1: your, camera, no, your camera is moved yeah, up. Yeah, so, so I am, like this part yeah, of I am right meant here. to
3: be like bleached blondes, but as you can see, I, I haven't ever roots on since February. So for the podcast, it's up to around me at ends of your eyebrow now. Um, and Monday morning, I will be oh, there. Booked in. booked in the hairdressers for six hours. I'll be coming out looking. Six, I, hours. I six hours.
2: I haven't booked anything. <laughs> Like, I just don't care. Like, I think I've got to that point now where, so I'm going to be 27 in September. My dad's bald. My granddad is bald. So you're holding on as much
3: hair as possible.
2: I'm just, I'm at, I'm at the age now where I'm just going to just leave it, going to grow it, see what happens. And then when it falls out, I'm just going to shave it all off. It'll be fine. Like, so you have it got, do
1: you
2: know what? Like, I used to have yeah. it that long when I was like, a teenager, like a proper little dirty goth, and yeah, <laughs> I'm big into that vibe. So I'm quite happy with just letting it grow out because I've already, I've got like a little bit of a mullet at the back going on. Like, <laughs> oh my gosh, mm-hmm. yeah. yeah, yeah, like it's, it? it's 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 a I mad completely one. Completely it I'm getting a little
3: hairbands.
2: Oh, I'm I'm big into the hairbands. You know, yeah, do Like it? when I'm going cycling, I've got like oh, I've got them here. I've got like cycling. Oh,
3: see, man, away. So, like,
2: that. if I put them in my hair. It, like just lifts it
3: back
1: it's like a hairband.
3: See, these are my hairbands. So you could get one like this. Hey, <laughs> Hannah, your camera.
1: Just so you know, your camera is cutting oh, off right at the forehead. The top so, of oh, the there we go. Thing. There we go. Oh, it's lovely. I there love you the go. bright
3: yellow one.
1: For those of you <laughs> once again listening to this audio medium, let me assure you that we are having a great time visually with this discussion. Um, <laughs> You're missing but that's okay. Um, just Honestly, trust me that. Hannah looks good. Hannah looks very good. I love how Fences. I lost
3: when you mentioned me here. (laughs) Can you see my roots?
1: (laughs) No, you look good too. (laughs) Michael, you are evolving slowly into Real Madrid era uh, Beckham with your with your increasingly long hair. Uh, I love it. It's gonna you are gonna have eventually. It's gonna it's gonna get long enough in the back where you can do a little a little bit of a you can do, you have some versatility going there. And I, as I said, Mike, I fully endorse this because as someone who really began losing his hair around your age, uh, I can tell you that once it's gone, it's gone. So just yeah. lean into it, man. Just honestly, enjoy tell it. you know what? I I thought I'd be more bothered about my hair for out. Like I thought
2: like when I was younger, I genuinely thought I'd be like, Oh no, I've got to get a hair transplant. But like, since I've been like, what 2021, 20, my hairline's gone back. Cause that's what it does when you get older. And like, well, I just don't care.
1: Yeah. It's weird how that flips because, you know as someone who is a full fully supportive of the your body your choice when it you know in terms of all your decisions uh, I would say even if something is seemingly inconsequential as hair that some some men definitely fall into a camp of they want to do something about it and I have no problem with that if that's their thing that's their thing but I will tell you that once you are just kind of okay with whatever, Uh, there is a liberation in that. There's a feeling of just freedom of like, you know, by the time I was 30, I basically looked like this. And so I'm, I just learned to live with it. And I also found that generally speaking, that men care way more of, now, not all men, but most men who do care about it, care more about it than uh, than the potential significant others that they may encounter in their lives who I, I don't think it matters. Now, don't get me wrong, Hannah, I could be wrong on this because I think it's one of those things where sometimes women say, oh, I really don't care about men. hair. So I think men overrate that. But Deep inside, you're you're saying to yourself, "Yeah, but i would never date a bald guy, you know." Oh no, but I don't it doesn't know. Bother me. Yeah. It doesn't bother me. No. I don't know how you know <laughs> the opposite sex, the same sex, whatever. I you know, it's just the potential significant. I I feel like the hair is is a thing, but it's just it's further down the the list of the 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 Maslow's hierarchy of needs, if you will, of of things to give a shit about. But I you know, who knows? I'd, I there guess. is one thing that I do
2: give a shit about in terms of hair. Mm. Technically hair. Okay.
3: Oh, where's this going?
2: Well, <laughs> Uh-oh. the one thing that I need doing more than anything is my eyebrows being done. Yeah. I need my eyebrows done. Because like, I, I at this point, I may as well say I need my eyebrows done. Because <laughs> I've been blessed with thick eyebrows. Yeah, you yeah, have got lovely thick,
3: thick eyebrows. Luxurious
2: uh, yeah. eyebrows. Yeah,
3: people pay <laughs> a lot of money for eyebrows like that. I
2: know. That. But because yeah. it's been so long, <laughs> like there's a little beauticians down the road from ours.
3: And it's still illegal.
2: <laughs> it's still illegal
3: and it's ridiculous. You can get like... your hair cut, but you can't get your eyebrows or your nails done, but you can go to the pub. You can go to the pub, but you can't get your nails done. Make huh. it make sense.
1: It's mad. You can go to the pub,
3: but you can't get a tattoo. You're with one person. Wow. None of It makes it... sense.
1: Are the numbers uh, just out of curiosity? Because you're talking about going to get your hair point. Can I assume that the the curve, the numbers are starting to trend in the good direction there?
3: Oh no, so they did, but now they're slowly but surely coming back up. But we keep opening things back up, so like it fixed down uh-huh. itself today. In Boris Johnson's constituency, actually, a hospital has had to shut because that many staff have got COVID that they can't even function a hospital. But uh, we're clearly going for the herd immunity type thing as well now. Or uh, we've got a, we've got one city, so Leicester's and lo- local lockdown, and then the northwest is still one of the highest infection rates. We've stayed between like hundred and like hundred and ninety deaths now for about five weeks. Am I right to right. say that? Yeah. And we've uh, just sort of accepted that a hundred uh, over hundred people will die every day, but we can go the bub. Seems to be right. the British mentality about this all.
2: It's properly yeah. mental because, like, yeah. imagine. If a plane crashed every single day and a hundred yeah. people died.
3: Mental. Yeah. Mental. So I think we had we had like a week where things looked really better. And then because all the rules came on saying you can go to work, but don't go to work, don't go on, but stay in and all that. Nobody gave one anymore. And yeah. now it's slowly but surely on its way back.
1: Yeah. Well, so like the I don't rest know- of all them. Yeah, I don't know. You know, who knows? There's so many factors to it, but you know, we did the thing where the numbers started to go down, and of course, as early as possible, which was, of course, too early, we started opening things up, and now we are. uh, People say we're we're going through a second wave, but really, we never completely quashed the first wave. So really, this is just. It's it's actually what's amazing is that we're in July and we have, and I was just reading the numbers for Oklahoma today. We've actually. uh, We've set a new high in our seven day moving average. Um, we are, we're, 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 we're our curve has just spiked completely up. And so it's a weird thing where, we did the reopening and it's caused exactly what people said it would cause, which is just a huge spike in cases only now it's predominantly younger people. Um, and I say younger people like they 18 to 50, I think they're, they're using that as a range because of the fact that it's not just old people who are getting it now. Um, <laughs> it's so, it's so crazy that, that more things are open and yet it's actually technically worse than it was when we had shut everything down. And so now, uh, I'm just take kind one of the
3: best. Aren't they?
1: So, so. I, yeah, and I think they're just—I think people. I think that unfortunately, too much of the the policy guidance here, and I imagine it's somewhat the same there, has been guided more by the the idea economy. that people. People, Well, yeah, but people decided at a certain point that, you know, I've done my part and I don't want to do it anymore. And I'm just, let's just get back to it. And And I'm, my wife and I are basically, it's weird because we're basically going back to what we were doing in late March, early April and just not really going in places unless we have to, et cetera, et cetera. Of course I say that as she returned to her office for the first time today in months. And they are now granted her office is this giant building where it'll be, she'll be one of, I think four people in her entire section of the building and they have to wear masks and all this stuff. But she, and she only goes in a few times a week uh, because she works from home some of the yeah. time. But having said that, I'm not thrilled that she's gone back into an office. But I, uh, you know. Well, a lot of my
3: friends tough. who are on fire have gone back in this week. So a lot of offices and that have opened up. But it's just so we, did, we didn't we did do things quick enough, like going into lockdown and now we're coming out of it too quick. It's yeah. just in a bit to save, save the economy isn't it? Or...
1: Well, look, we're 15 minutes in and I, I I did enjoy very much the the chili cheese chili cheese fries and nachos discussion and I didn't mean to veer into this territory. Look, it's all bad COVID whatever. We we get it. It's bad and I you can find plenty of bad news everywhere else. I want to focus on uh, a different kind of bad uh, called Everton. Uh, and I think that it is In some ways, uh, the most normal thing, the most return to normal thing, is a completely underwhelming defeat in uh, on the road in London. Uh, And it's look as much as things change, sometimes they you know some some things never really change that much. Um, Having said that, Mike, I'm going to start with you on this. I I think you and I are relatively aligned on this. I, I think that just like. I've discussed the way that people, especially in our fan base, really blow whichever way the wind is going so quickly after a game, after two games, after three games, and it's not just about how they feel about the club. It can be about how they feel about uh, a player. You know, suddenly a player has two good games, and it's like, man, sign him up. You know, it's put you know, do a five year extent. Like I, I think that we all probably have to have moments like this to realize that when it comes to diagnosing the issues of the club, that that really it has to be based on a longer or medium-term view of things. But to your point uh, that you've made, Mike, I think very eloquently, I think it would, we, we would be remiss uh, if after a, a game like we had against Spurs that was, of course, disappointing – We'd be remiss if we somehow threw out uh, the all of the strides that we've clearly made uh, under under Carlo Ancelotti so far. Uh, we have been up until that point in, you know say what you want about the league and its strength, but we've been in uh, champions league form in terms of qualification, in terms of points return and those types of things. And given what he's had to work with in the squad. And as we've all kind of acknowledged a relegation level midfield, I think that that's all very encouraging. And I, I I'm tending not to, to, to take any, I'm tending not to try to evaluate the the big picture with Everton based on, on, on a single game. It was disappointing. It was not a great effort. Um, it was a boring game more than anything else to watch. Uh, but having said that, um, I'm... I think the problems that you can identify in a game like that are all problems we've been aware of for a long time. Again, we're not learning anything new. We knew that we had a midfield that wasn't very good. We knew that, uh, we rely very heavily on either Richarlison or Calvert-Lewin to score. And when they don't, uh, (laughs) then we get results that generally look like this because we don't have a lot of depth in terms of options. Uh, I will say that, uh, once again, if you want to take a silver lining out of any of this, the defense was, once again, pretty good. I, I don't – you know, I'm, I'm the biggest uh, skeptic of Michael Keane in the world, but, man, when when Holgate went down and Yerry Mina came on, they looked fine. I mean, I, I don't – I think the, the own goal by Michael Keane was unfortunate, but no one can really blame him for that. That was just a freak occur- – it's the kind of freak occurrence goal that happens, you know, once in a blue moon to any other club and happens twice in the same week to us. That's just Everton. And that's the experience. And you either you're either into it or you're not, but Mike, I'll I'll ask you, uh, what do you, what do you make of, of the game at Spurs? And uh, does, does any of this, is any of this really new information to you or do you take anything different out of it uh, uh, than, than, than what we've already previously discussed?
2: Um, I don't think I take anything new out of it. I think one of the biggest frustrations for people subconsciously is that we already know all of this and it's not changing, but it's not going to change yet. That's just the way it is right now. Um, In my opinion, Evertonism and supporters of Everton have basically become Veruca Salt. I want it all and I want it now. Give it to me now, and do you know what? I don't blame anyone for that because I am just as guilty as that as everyone else because I want it now because I'm I am fed up of it. I, yeah. I'm tired of it. Like long, long I'm long tired way. of watching Everton go to North London, put in a really meek performance when they could actually have something on if they put in just if they just give it bifters. And do you know what? Even if they came away with nil nil, and they really just went there, dug the fingernails in, got dirty and really tried. That would be slightly different. And I'm tired of it. And I want it now. I want I want all that. I want Everton to have a functioning midfield. Give it to me now. I deserve it. Like all those things. Like I feel it just as much as everyone else. I am Veruca Salt. We all are.
1: But... It is Veruca Salt in it. I'm not. I have got. No, some I girls. like it. No, I think that's a fantastic. Now, now, granted that when you first said that, I was thinking about uh, the the '90s uh, the '90s alt rock band uh, from America. <laughs> who I'm like, yeah, I feel I'm I'm raging like them too. But no, I, 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 then then suddenly uh, Willy Wonka popped in my head. I'm like, okay, yeah, that's probably what he's referring to. But no, you're look, you're right. I we want these things, and you know, I think Hannah part of the reason that we want it right now so bad beyond just the normal stuff like it's been a long wait and and we you know we brought in the manager and we saw some promising signs and why isn't it just why can't we just win, get over the hump? It's always about getting over this this hump because the hump is generally those things that we, regardless of manager, can't seem to overcome, which is winning in London, which is, you know, going away to a top six side and doing, you know, doing well and performing. I think part of it too, frankly, is that We have this thing where we personally like uh, a lot of the players that just aren't doing it. Um, And that's frustrating too. And it's not just Tom Davis, who's an easy target for that, but like people genuinely like Andre Gomes. I do too. I there, he shows flashes of, of every once in a while of a pass or of, of spells in a game where you're like, okay, that's the idea of Andre Gomes. But, but once again, the you know to a lesser extent Iwobi but he's younger and so I've got a little I've just we've made an investment he's just going to be around so I'm not going to complain too much but you want to see more out of him like I think it's frustrating because you see the idea at least in some of these players and it's just their consistent inability to to just produce on a consistent basis uh, in the way that. You know the the switch seemed to get turned on for Mason Holgate or for Calvert Lewin. Uh, it's just frustrating, isn't it?
3: Yeah, and that's the thing. I think there's only three players who, you know, every single game are still going to be playing at that level and giving you something. And it's that thing of giving you a glimpse all the time of something like that. Sort of tends to be like with woby that like half an hour where he plays onto the skid in Norwich. Where's that gone now? Because it definitely went there the other day. And, like, I spoke a lot about my frustration for Tom, but it is, it's just underwhelming and predictable with Gomez as well. I, I, it was um, the other day, actually, on Teen Talk with me, Matt, and Dave, we had um, Greg on from the Athletic, mm-hmm. and he was saying that, and it's a good point, we haven't thought about So, in terms of, we were all like, oh, it, Gomez has came back so quick and amazing recovery. As soon as he came back, it, he was no longer going to training because a few weeks after coming back, we were all shut down. So he wasn't continuing that up, getting back to training and bring, having a normal rehabilitation back into the side. So I think things like that you've got to consider because if you look at the other day, he, he bottles it for every tackle now and you understand it. But I do think that could be a key thing where, like, I think it was, was it the Arsenal game? He first came back and we were like, oh, is fitness yeah. compared to all the other players, like, that's ridiculous. Look how unfit they are compared to him. Yeah. But then that was in training with all the intensity of I think it's just completely died down, which is sad to see because he hasn't, obviously, the other night, that was probably his worst performance in a blue shirt. It's
1: yeah. Adrenal. Adrenaline's a big part of that too, because I remember when remember Seamus Coleman's big comeback game after yeah. he'd been out forever, and he he played. I think it was Allardyce who played him ninety minutes, which I thought was insane. And he, but yet he just it was the best game I can remember him having yeah, in terms to prove of him like himself yeah, yeah, but but you have to always take those with a grain of salt. Gomez looked great because he was so excited to be back. But look, I. I'm not gonna. Not none of us are professional athletes, and I think that there are always complexities and nuances of of rehabilitation and recovery from injuries that that we can't fully understand. I've I have suffered two catast. You know what are referred to as catastrophic injuries, where you've had a, a an accident, a fall, and you've just, you know, you've, you've had multiple fractures in a bone. I remember having to go through rehab just for my right arm going through that and how frustrating it could be because it never seemed to, even when you were quote better. Uh, I still, I remember for a long period of time, even after I had, you know, I wasn't suffering any pain anymore and all the stuff post-surgery months after the point, I still couldn't raise my right arm all the way without having to like, you know, use my whole body for it. And I only use that as, as a way of saying that, there's. I'm not going to make excuses for Gomesh because look, we, we paid what he, we paid for him. He does need to produce, but I do remember Hannah to your point saying uh, when he came back that look, uh, this this season, whatever is, remains in this season, to me is a bonus because none of us even expected him back. Um, he is back, and he is he is not playing as well as we need him to play. But I remember that I said months back that look, I was gonna give him the benefit of the doubt, um, given how how hard he worked to come back. And I still think that should be given to his credit. But I think that uh I wanna see uh, I wanna see him after a full and again he's not gonna get it. No one's gonna get a full offseason. We're we're gonna they're gonna have like a essentially what amounts to a three or four week break before we start the new season again, based on the way that they're doing the calendar. And I, I still maintain that I would like to see him paired with, uh, paired with a proper partner uh, out there. But having said that he was very poor on look, Andre Gomes is his benefit of the doubt will disappear fast. It's already disappearing fast. And right now he has Tom Davis to kind of take a lot of the, the heat for him. Um, and, and really whoever his partner is, but, um, Mike, I'll come back to you though on this. Um, I- I'm going to take a different tact with this. Look, we, all the things that disappointed us about this game are the same things we always talk about constantly. So I'm it's just, I, I, we get it. I mean, I think that these are problems that that will only be solved through time, development internally, and uh, the, the the recruitment market is is you know the transfer market as we we talk about. I mean, those are. It just doesn't take a rocket scientist to understand those concepts, but. Um, I want to talk about something a little more nuanced because I think it's an interesting discussion and you and I have broached this subject because, uh, I think you make a good point on it and I want to hear your thoughts a little bit more on it. If we don't make it into Europe, uh, my question to you is based on what we've seen, not just in the restart, but uh, let's just use the body of work for the whole season. You know, for instance, the emergence of, of both, uh, of Mason Holgate, of course, um, I, I still tend to think that if you look through the entirety of the season, Yeri Minas, his partner, has been very solid. I think Michael Keane has obviously been uh, very good since the restart. I, I want to see more to believe it, just because Michael Keane does this, he he will have stretches and then and then then it happens, and so I want to see more of it. But having said that, given the short off season we're about to uh, encounter, if we don't make it to Europe, could you live with us? Um, essentially figuring out internally who our fourth center back center half is and uh and or recruiting a quote-unquote young developmental talent type um though maybe Branthwaite is already that guy I don't I don't really know uh maybe uh um oh my god who am I forgetting a Lewis Gibson is maybe that guy yeah like I, I I'm not as concerned about spending money on the fourth center half unless you're you know if you're going to spend money on a center half it needs to be someone who is part of that three-man rotation and then you need to decide who is the odd man out is it keen is it Mina whatever I I I have my thoughts on that which are well documented would you how would you feel Mike if we don't make Europe because if we make Europe then you have to go by I I get that but you know because of the number of games but let's say we don't make Europe would you be satisfied if we didn't add another starting quality center half this off season given the short the brevity of it. Um or do you think that we still absolutely, even with all the constraints, even with the need in central midfield, is this still a priority position for us to address this off season?
2: I think the the absolute priority that is central midfield Create the priority of central defense. I think that it's a little bit of a chicken and egg thing where, because the midfield doesn't have a genuine ball winning water carrier in there who can just do a dominant job like that, the defense is automatically not screened very often properly at all, which shows glaring holes in the defense that you wouldn't see if someone like Adrissi Gay was there. Um, so for me, if hypothetically speaking, let us we don't even need to be hypothetical, Everton on, getting into Europe this season, I don't know. Yeah, I'm, probably not. Yeah. It's Feasible,
1: but but very unlikely,
2: just not going to happen. Like, we, we we saw just how little the players like Sigurdsson and the likes of him didn't uh, want to start their season an extra three weeks early by finishing seventh or eighth. Just they don't want it. I don't blame them. He's old, who, who could be bothered? Take an extra couple of weeks' holiday for finishing lower, of course, you are. But anyway, when you look at the actual nitty gritty of it, and Everton's center half. Situation. I've discussed it with uh, Matt Jones a couple of weeks ago. I think it might have been on a sub show. Um, the common denominator is Mason Holgate in Everton's central mid central defensive pair, and I'm probably central midfield to be honest. He's our best midfielder. Yeah, as well. I know.
1: Uh, yeah.
2: <laughs> but the fact that he is the common denominator is purely down to the fact that he gives the centre half next to him confidence because he is able to, he just has that recovery pace, that ability to just give the other centre-half the confidence to not do what Ashley Williams did for Everton over the course of six months, which was from his first game to probably his 30th game, he must have dropped his position and probably by about an average of five yards, just getting deeper and deeper because he felt slow. And next to him was Phil Jagielka. So he feels the person next to him isn't the fastest, even though Phil Jagielka was fairly half-decent, fairly movable centre-half, but he wasn't rapid. Whereas when you have Michael Keane next to Yeri Mina and you have someone like Jamie Vardy running at them, suddenly Michael Keane is filled with the doubt of, oh my God, there's no one covering for me here. I'm not sure whether I'm coming or going. Do I go for this half-bouncing ball? Do I go back? And that's where you end up in a situation like he did on the New Year's Day game at home when the Mm -hmm. ball sort of half bounces between him. He's indecisive, ball falls to Jamie Vardy, gets the run and scores the goal. Those sorts of things are avoided by having a centre-half next to you who has that recovery pace. And we've seen that the common denominator in creating assured performances in his partner it's Mason Holgate so if you have the option to go out and buy a left-footed center half who is quick and the one that obviously has been spoken about is Gabrielle at Lille if that is a doable deal get it done because that creates no issue with Everton's central defense then for the next however many years because whatever combination you use unless both Mason Holgate and Gabrielle are both out injured which probably would happen because it's Everton yeah, it's everything yeah <laughs> you can use a various combination of players mm. with recovery pace and players who can then just go like a terrier to go and just win the ball and because that's their job. And That yeah. sort of dovetailing would be nice. But you know what? At the same time, Everton have to do what they haven't done for the past few years and actually use their youth ranks. You've got to, if, if you're not going to use them, Find out if they're good enough. You, we're looking at Branthwaite now. I don't know if he's good enough. I've I've never seen him play a game of football. I'm not going to say he should be starting games because I don't see him in training. I don't know what he's like in a man's game of football. I'm sure, was it Carlisle United? He was at Carlisle United fans would say, yeah, he sort of does all right in a League 2 man's game. And that's a good sign. The same as Lewis Gibson being able to play football at Fleetwood, which I think is League 1 possibly, but it might also be League 2. not sure. Should know more about that. But, you know, they are all they all meld into the same thing. But yeah. it, it bodes well for those sorts of centre-halves. But you look at the likes of Dennis Adonir in, in central midfield, don't know anything about him. Never seen him play a game of man's football, whether it's for Everton or someone else. And that's because he hasn't. And Everton need to actually send their youngsters out, play some football, to then come back and take part. And over the summer, as you say, Rob, we might end up in a situation where it'd be like, hypothetically do you have to be happy with lewis gibson staying as a four choice center half would lewis gibson be happy with that i don't think so i think what lewis gibson would want to do is go well actually i'd much rather go to germany and play 30 league games or go to the championship and play 35 that's what i'd really like to do Whereas staying as fourth centre-half is usually not great in those sorts of situations, unless you end up in a situation where three or four of your centre-halves are chronically injured. He's not going to get that many games, and I'd much rather see him go out. So for me, Everton have to spend in two positions. They have to, and that's they have to buy a centre-half who gets into the team, not one who's going to be fourth-choice. There's no point buying a fourth-choice centre-half because... Well, you've got loads there already. That's what Everton is made up of. Their entire team is built up of fourth choice midfielders and fourth and <laughs> centre halves. Just yeah. stop him for years. Stop buying yeah. them. So actually, go out, buy someone who gets into your first team in both of those positions. Obviously, if they have an offer coming for come in from Michael Keane, say from Burnley, take it. Swap him out for a centre half. Fine, yeah. But they're the two positions they have to should they have to get right. I could take. Another even me, I could take another year of Theo Walcott on the right hand side. I could take it if it meant if it meant that we could get a midfielder and a centre right. half who come in because we've seen Manchester United look at Manchester United before and after putting in a missing piece of their midfield.
1: Oh yeah. It only cost them eighty-nine million, but yeah, that's, well, that's what the thing.
2: like United's midfield needed fixing to a level that Everton's doesn't because their their idea of fixing is going from right. qualifying for the Europa League to winning the title. Like yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like it, it's relative, but Everton aren't gonna go and attract the midfielder that wins them the league. But they will attract the midfielder that comes in competently and actually provides them with the platform to then go on and improve because this is not a midfielder who I need Everton to win something this year or next year. It's a midfielder I need to improve Everton over the next two or three years while we incrementally replace players around them. Because that's what this next two or three years is going to be. There's so many players who are on massive wages right now who we will probably get rid of on free transfers over the next couple of years. And if that's the bullet that Everton have got a bite, that's the bullet Everton have got to bite. But at the same time, they can't afford to get that midfield role wrong now. Like, that yeah. has to be right. But as you say, if we get in that situation and it's a choice between central defense and central midfield, Evan have got to buy the midfielder.
1: Yeah. Well, and and I hope it's not that choice. Yeah, I, And Hannah, I, I think too that, you know, because I didn't want to shut down that discussion by making the joke about um, <laughs> about Bruno Fernandes' uh, fee to get there. I mean, look, uh, the, the idea at least is that, you know, you should be... Uh, getting what you pay for, in theory, uh, it doesn't often work that way for United. But they seem to have really hit on him, and now suddenly it's almost like they've gained two players because now Pogba's interested in playing again. Uh, and and look, I I think though that the the lesson you take from that is not to draw a complete parallel to United because they're dealing with different a different budget and a different sort of expectation. And I, I get that, but. To Mike's point, and to the point I've been trying to make for a while, it's the, it's, we get excited at times by the uh, quantity of activity uh, in the summer window because it makes Twitter fun uh, for sure. (laughs) I'm not saying that's the only reason, but it's, it definitely, it's titillating, if you will, if I can use that term for it. But I, I do genuinely believe that what Everton need are not you know three new young developmental types uh, and again doesn't mean that the target here can't be a young player to Mike's point that has a ramp up you know for a couple of years to, to turning into that player. Uh, but how about I simplify it this way and I want your thoughts on this Hannah. Um, think about how much uh, we improved instantaneously, when we got Richarlison, think about that for a second. I mean, we were. Th- there's no question now that you know at the time there was the fee, and oh my god, it costs a lot of money. But given his his raw ability, his his age, all these things, and the fact that you you could really see it before he got here, you you had a sense that if we could. We could do certain things right, and obviously Calvert Lewin's development was big in that. Then, then we could make Richarlison into a player that really impacted. Now, now we're, we've gone from a couple seasons ago talking about how we desperately need a striker to feeling like that may be the strongest, posi- you know, positional group on our in our squad. It, it feels like we have got to add a dynamic piece somehow, some way, come hell or high water into that midfield to make a difference. Um, to Mike's point, I hope it's not a choice because we do need to add, you know, when Holgate goes down, you do see that that it's suddenly, uh, I don't think it's, I think it can be lazy to say Yerry Mina and Michael Keane. They're not the same player, but they're the same type. Like mold if you will in terms of certain strengths here and there I, I get that um but i i guess hannah what i would come to you with is this idea of you know what is it that what is it that you see in uh, that, that you you think of in terms of the sort of impact kind of player and i don't need you to name names because i don't really we don't have to get into that whole game, but but what is it that that we're missing so much? It's easy to say we're missing a midfield, but what is it you feel like you want to see um, going into next season in terms of an arrival that that transforms things? What is it that they need to be? What is it that, that this player can do to make Richarlison and Calvert-Lewin better, can make the whole team better, et cetera? Um, you know, do you... you what do you think just generally about where we need to go and, and what we need to do there, even if you don't have a particular name in mind? And how important is it for Everton to do that if we're going to take any kind of step forward?
3: I don't have a particular name in mind, which is just a frustrating part, because you wish that you'd just see somebody and be like, that's the missing piece of the puzzle. And I don't think it is that easy at all.
0: Yeah, but it's I think the main,
3: <laughs> No, no, no. But I think the main thing, Ms. wise is somebody who doesn't bottle it. Going in for the title. Like if you look at the like the other day, it was an absolute disgrace. The level that he bottles it and won't go in for a challenge and you need somebody there to do that. And as she says, it's very strange that we're talking about the fact that our most comfortable position is our strikers. Like yeah. we have no, we've got no issue with them and there's no stress each game and we know that they're gonna deliver, but they've got nobody Put, making it easy for them at all. And yeah. it, it that's the frustrating part because if you think, like especially the other night when you just saw the midfield falling apart, imagine if it was there, what them lads could be doing. Like the goals that they've racked up with that massive problem is, it, it's a credit to them. But that's the thing. It's it's, it's such a hard game for them for, because of that. But it, we, do, we, we just need a proper number 10. It's something yeah. which has been missing well, for years.
1: And, and I don't even know, like, I was going to say this too, like, I, I get, I've gotten so wrapped up over the years in this idea of, are they a number 10? Are they fit in this formation? And so on and so forth. Do they need to have these particular set of traits? And don't get me wrong, there are way smarter football people that are going to know those types of answers. But I just keep coming back to this idea about what is it we're always complaining about, about midfielders who seem passive, who don't want to take responsibility. I keep coming back to this phrase, I, I want an alpha in there i want a guy like when look i'll use him as as an example because it's easy but you know when fernandez came in there was no well i'm gonna play five and ten minutes here and just kind of develop over time he came in and said give me the ball i want to start to affect things and yes he's really talented and that's a big part of it and and yes we need someone talented and i'm you know i'm not an idiot i get that but uh you could argue that we have Players on the squad now who are not whose output does not match their talent. I think we can all agree on that, right? And a big part of that is not a deficiency per se in skill, but it seems a proficiency, it it seems a deficiency of. Will a deficiency of attitude, a deficiency of, and, and I feel like I'm, I, I hope I'm not just getting into these old sports cliches here, but there, there does have to be that person that says that that they want in the big moments, they want the ball, they want to control things, they want to be the, the 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 big bully on the block, if you will. Um, because we need if, a <laughs> if, Yeah, well, but see, even Barry was just kind of a. You know, Barry could control things like a metronome per se, but but I look, I, I don't need him to yell and scream, but I need him to show with his body language you know, throughout every minute of that game that it ma- that it matters, yes, but that it matters not just in a way in which I'm going to yell and scream and I'm going to give a fiery interview to the media afterwards, but that it matters in terms of in those moments they want to be on the ball, they want to be making the pass, they want to you know take the shot. They want to do the things that that require some risk. Um, I think it, it just feels over and over again like we're talking about a, a a complete deficiency in our squad in terms of players who've got that kind of edge to them and in that that desire uh, to have the ball uh, at those crucial moments. Whereas. You don't feel that way about Richarlison. You don't feel that way about Calvert-Lewin. Those are guys that, you know, even with their flaws and their mistakes, you never really doubt that they're they're in it to win it uh, most of the time. And, and when they do take a step back uh, and the effort isn't quite there, then you really notice it because you're so used to that level from them. I guess that's what I want out of midfield, where it seems like we've been settling for so long on guys who are, are – you know, even when they talk about Rabiot, for instance, you know, that Andre, is Andre and, uh, Adrian Rabiot, I can't pronounce, it's very Frenchy, whatever. Um, I saw the, the goal he scored the other day for Juventus, and I was thinking to myself, you know, for all the talk I've heard about him being like a personality and a diva and all these things, and maybe we don't want it, maybe I'm just being... You know, impetuous and foolish, or whatever. Look, it's not a, it's not the worst thing in the world to have some guys that may not be the sweetest of sweethearts in the world. You know, give me some guys who are a bit a bit prickish who are going to go in there and you know their egos are not going to allow them to fail. Maybe maybe that's what we need a little bit of.
3: Yeah, and sometimes it's good to have a bully on the pitch. You know what I mean? I'm not saying someone's giving rounds and putting horrible challenges and everything, but you need somebody who's not scared to put one in for one and have a bit of right. dominance in the midfield. Not, we don't have fake- that.
1: Not fake tough guys like Fabian mm. Dell. I'm talking about uh, proper, like, guys who can back he's up. He's somebody I'd work. be happy
3: if he never came back. I've got no <laughs> desire for him to ever put Everson shirts on again. I forget that he's injured. I just like to, like, forget about him having any involvements with our club. I'm just going to put if that Leeds, up there. I can't if, stand him.
1: I, I subscribe to Mike's theory that if leads come up, that he's going to go straight there. So that's what I'm going to comfort myself Good
3: riddance. With. Don't okay. care if he has a game yeah. again.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, so one of the other things that I wanted to – so before – I, I want to go ahead and transition off Everton in our last 15 to 20 minutes because I already want to turn it to some things that are fun. But I guess the, the final thing I would just say <laughs> look, Things that
3: are fun. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, it it's,
1: no it, look, I, I, I still – kind of to close the loop here, I, I still think that you'd be – you would be um, – You'd be remiss if you if you just denied that we've made progress. Yes, we see some of the same things creep up, but that's because we have some of the same deficiencies in our squad. But uh, Ancelotti is is certainly. Oh, are you guys? Are you no, hearing me, Mike?
2: I've got something to say.
1: Oh, okay. Mike was signaling to me and I, you know, I couldn't tell if, if, yeah, Uh,
3: (laughs) no,
1: but, but Mike, I'll finish with you on this. I I do want to circle back to this idea that while we see some of the same issues pop up, that's because we've got the same squad uh, and, and it is down to the, just who the, the personnel are sometimes, but I think we'd be remiss if we didn't at least acknowledge that there has been, uh, not that it's an overnight thing and not to the Veruca salt point that was made before that we're getting it all when we want it, but there have definitely been strides, I think, in terms of mentality and, and play that we've made under Carlo Ancelotti so far.
2: I think that's really important. I, I really do. When, when you l- look at Everton, I think especially on Tuesday morning, this was evident, loads of people just needed to kind of take a little bit of a step back because we've been in this sort of predictable cycle before where it's like, okay, it looks like they might do okay for a little bit, win some home games. Yeah, well done. And the one that they need to go away and win or, and they don't, and people get annoyed and sort of feel like they're back at the start of the cycle. I don't feel like I'm back at the start of the cycle this time. I I can see tangible improvement to a team that genuinely I thought would struggle to scrape 40 points when we got beat by Norwich at home, I looked at our fixtures and was like, where we were, I was like genuinely like, Jesus, we will struggle to get to 40 points. That's how bad it was. It was absolutely awful. But the point is that as a fan base, we have this kind of thing that happens. And I spoke about this the other day, was we wait for the moment that is bad to say, I told you so. We always do, and we all we just have done for so long at this point where Everton have played four games since the restart, haven't they? So every single one of those games after the derby was a must win game if Everton wanted to qualify for Europe. Norwich was a must win game. It was the sort of game that Everton lost last year. It was the exact game Everton lost last year, the team who was just down at the bottom, Fulham away in the summer, in the heat. They just went there and capitulated. Mm -hmm. Leicester at home was the exact game Everton lost last year. Sort of team that sort of see themselves on the same level. You've got to go there and compete against them. It's the exact sort of game Everton lost. And do you know what? If we would have lost one of those two games, it would have been typical Everton doing that Mm -hmm. thing that they always do. But we didn't. We won those games. And that was going to carry on until whichever game Everton lost because we're never going to win every single game because we know that there are so many issues with this side we understand them all of us do and I know it's frustrating but as, as you said there Rob there is so much I can take from the defensive solidity the tactical soundness that has escaped Everton for so long under so many managers the ability to really right wrongs like Everton are winning away games now that's the thing that people aren't speaking about as much as they should we won about two away games in the space of a year and we've won three since Carlo Ancelotti has been here already Mm -hmm. like those things are important like they are things that need to be turned around and it was something that so many managers struggled to turn around in the first place and those little things whether it's away games whether it's really giving strikers confidence whether it's giving michael Keane confidence because those things are all important being able to switch tactically through systems being able to problem solving games that less the game james madison comes on and we all saw it instantly we went that's changed the game completely now it's changed yep. something needs to change here And Anshadhali went, oh, something needs to change here. Do you know what? I'll take Tom Davis and Tom, you're just going to sit on him. Don't let him move. We didn't hear from James Madison again. It worked. Like Things like that, we didn't see under previous managers because this is a world-class fellow who kind of knows what he's doing. And for me, as much as anyone... I struggle to say things like that because we always know best. We all do. We're sat out and we all see see it. We all know because everyone can do this job. That's the thing about football is it's the only sport in the world that everyone watching thinks they can do a better job than both the managers and the players. It's the only one and it's such a weird one in that respect. But I think, as you said, Rob, we have to look at this in a way that we know there are issues. We all understand it. It's going to require a bit of patience, but we can see there is a world-class talent at the helm of this club now, who has already done things that without even changing a player, that is in itself an achievement. So it's going to be a bit frustrating for a few weeks, but we'll get to the summer. Marcel Brands has got his corn. That's another debate for another day that we will have, I'm sure of it. But right now, just enjoy the ride and enjoy the things that we can do. If Everton beats Southampton and score a couple of nice goals, brilliant, if they don't, then we know there are issues that need to be fixed. And I've got faith that the fella in charge of the football club, if he gets what he wants, will fix them. Yeah. No, great
1: great here, here. Good look it's <laughs> The story, the story for this uh, this season is essentially already written anyway. It, it is all about um, it's all about what we can gain from these remaining games and and what that can tell us, of course. But you know, to Mike's point, I think um, I don't. I don't think we're going to learn anything new that we ought to be overreacting about at this point. I think it's all about the the idea of of having the right person in that in that position and and having that guidance moving forward. So yeah, here here for sure. Speaking of summer, we are now well into summer, and I can tell you that uh, <laughs> the temperatures here certainly do not allow me to forget that. Um, you guys would absolutely melt so here. I mean, so I'm looking at
3: the rain right now, and I think this is probably what about like seventh consecutive. Consecutive day of rain, isn't it,
1: mate? I love yeah. it. Yeah, I love it. Well, it is. So, just to give you guys an idea, and I'll, I'll of course translate into Celsius because I can need to acknowledge the, the vast majority of my, my listening uh, audience here. But uh, it's, it's 32 right now. Um, but it will be a high of 37 on Thursday, a high of 40 on Saturday. Could so not do
3: 40. No,
1: nah, you guys would die. You, you guys you would die. Huh, so yeah. it
3: is currently 16 degrees here, Rob. 16. Oh, Lord. Lord. Perfect.
2: Just, absolutely perfect. San Francisco summer to, you guys are having.
3: The highest it goes in the next week is 18. So just a perfect. little bit of respect. <laughs> and it's just been raining forever.
2: <laughs> it's mate, it's lovely. It's absolutely Whoa. perfect. So, you know
3: what? It's you know what? The last really nice day was was two weeks ago when I was melting on this. That was the last nice day we've had. Every day I get up and um, I log on to um, on Skype with Matt and Dave every morning, every morning. We're just up there like three because it's, yeah. it's every single day. So okay. I was complaining about the heat, but I was happily be melting right now. <sighs> Not
1: this kind of melting. Not this kind of melting, though.
3: See, right. I like to think I'd hack it, but I don't. I'd no. just there for the seconds. You, you know,
1: <laughs> you, 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 <laughs> you guys would find a way. was... We have, a, we have air conditioning everywhere too, so you know that helps.
3: What did you say, but, Mike Because that was just getting me for something there.
2: No, you'd, you'd 100% be the same as me. You'd get there, you'd walk out the airport, and you'd go, this is nice, and then you'd sit no. down half an hour later with a pool of That's sweat on your back, and you'd go, yeah.
1: I need the rain, mate. Yeah,
3: yeah. I wonder well, if I go on holiday, sit in the shade. Exactly. So. But
1: you know what, though? Uh, <laughs> I will say this, that if you came over here and ate nachos and chili cheese fries, that it would be counterbalanced by all the uh, sweating like. uh, that you would be doing.
3: It's Like a hot
1: you sauna? Know? Yeah. Yeah, a little bit. <laughs> all right. So if for 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 our loyal listeners who will recall, a couple of weeks ago, I had uh, Mike and Hannah on here, and I tasked them with each bringing um, – just i just said hey bring a summer record to the show and the idea being that look uh just there's, there's something about the summertime, the vibe, whatever you want to call it, that lends itself to certain types of albums uh, that are a good, a good soundtrack, a good accompaniment to the, to the summer for here uh, in Oklahoma and here in large swaths of uh, the Southern United States. It's certainly uh, the, 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 the greater heat that probably ties into that a bit. But uh, when I said summer albums the I, I think, I had faith that Hannah and Mike would, would get the vibe I was going for, and they certainly did not fail to deliver. So what I asked last week was – or a couple of weeks ago is that we each bring one and that when we circle back up in a couple of weeks that we would have all listened to each other's albums and had uh, opinions uh, on each of them and we'll just take a few minutes uh, just because I, I'm look if you've been listening to the show for any amount of time uh, music is a talking sport and I enjoy it and we will always do that on here uh, and we mostly had 100% participation at least uh, I know Hannah did her, her part and Mike, Mike had listened to two of the the albums and didn't listen to mine, but I have faith that he will eventually get around to mine uh, because he is a good friend and he doesn't want to completely uh, insult me. Uh, so I think he will eventually get around to it. But to recap, uh, the three albums that were picked, uh, Hannah uh, picked uh, a very interesting one for me, which was Arctic Monkeys Suck It in Sea. And I say interesting mainly because uh, it's an album that of their catalog I've probably listened to the least for 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 whatever reason I don't really have a good reason but I, I hadn't listened to it but I but I have uh, in the last couple of weeks and uh, Mike of course brought uh, Angles by The Strokes an album that uh, f- was I don't know if it still is considered divisive but it certainly was when it came out in regards to oh this is not like this is not room on fire or is this it again? This is just, this is too, too different too new wavy too whatever. Uh, But it's an album that I think has really grown well with age. And then finally I brought uh, simple things by zero seven um, because uh, for me, there's just something about that kind of downbeat chilled out electronic uh, music that lends itself very well to the sweet heat of the summer and uh, whatever drink or uh, medicinal, uh, uh, you know, concoction you've got uh, on hand. Uh, so uh, I want to start, I want to start with uh, suck it and sea by Arctic monkeys, Hannah. Um, so Hannah, I just want to give you my thoughts on this and uh, okay, and look. then of course you, you tell me, no, no. Yeah. And then you, you, and then, uh, Mike, uh, same thing. Cause obviously Mike, you're familiar with, with suck and see. So the thing with the Arctic monkeys is, um, I, I won't claim that I am just this giant super fan of them, but I really do like them. I've seen them in concert a couple times. Uh, once was at a festival and then recently in Oklahoma city, actually last year, which feels like five years ago. Uh, but they, they're, they're fantastic live. They were doing the casino, uh, tranquility basin casino, uh, hotel tour but of course they played it a little bit of everything and suck it and see for whatever reason is one that somewhere between humbug and then when am came out i just i missed i just they miss it but i it just kind of flew under my radar and so i will say having listened to it w- my biggest takeaway from it was just how strong it is from start to finish even though there's not really like the the big the big huge single from it that you feel like every one of their other albums probably had to a degree maybe you know tranquility bass is not really a singles album it's just an album album but but this was um it was interesting because they went i re- was reading up on it they went back to their original producer who had done they'd done uh, favorite worst nightmare with and uh and uh i believe their f- no, I think it was just favorite, favorite, worst nightmare uh, with, and I think that's been their producer ever since. Um, this Tom, it's like I can't remember his name, but um, what was interesting to me was just how good it was from start to finish. I definitely get the summer vibe uh, from it for sure. Um, I know you guys were, and I think it may have flown over my head. I know that there was the joke, uh, the, the joke in there about that first, uh, that first <laughs> song uh, on the album. Was uh, that
3: Mike Ribbonin? Yeah, trying to ruin
1: She's Thunder with She's Thunderstorms, which I think is a great song. Thank you. Uh, I was, you mean, Cheese Thunderstorms? (laughs) Cheese Thunderstorms. Um, I, you know, Brick by Brick is kind of the single from that. It's, it's pretty good, but I, yeah, loved library pictures and I loved, um, I actually really loved the closing track. They always do such great work on closing track. Uh, That's where you're wrong. Uh, And I also really liked, and it's kind of a a heavier tune, but don't sit down because I've moved your chair, which I really enjoy quite a bit. That's one of my
3: favorite songs ever. Like that's in like, probably like my top five songs, like all rounds. I think that that was, I think, you know what? That was one of the first like Arctic songs, which like, fully blew me away as well. Cause I think that was the first time where I first started hearing them. I was like, I'm going to go check out like live stuff they've done. And I watched a, v- a video of this Cause need to share live and it just blew my mind. It was like the first time, like I'd seen like, I don't know a performance like that, but suck it and see such an album. I mean, brick by brick as well. is just such a tune. Like if that doesn't make you want to like be at a Fezzy, then there's something. Oh yeah. Wrong. It's-
1: brick by brick is sort of like the same like outdoor venue festival vibe as uh, Tame Impala elephant yeah. or something like that, you know, you where it's just like you know. you but can when they of it live into the as rhythm. well,
3: if you've not seen it, go and watch their twenty thirteen Glastonbury, um, where he goes bad brick and then he stops and Alex is just like that, getting everybody into he good brick bad brick and it's yeah. boss. So if yeah. you haven't seen that performance, I say
1: go and watch it. Well, and the last thing Hannah, I will say about performances, cause you, you mentioned library pictures before. I really liked that song and what was interesting. And I was reading up on this too, about the show that I saw them play here in Oklahoma city. They played library pictures and it was the first time they played it. In, apparently in concert since 2014. I don't know why oh, Oklahoma wow. city got it, but you know, it, it, all bands throw in like weird curveball. Ones. Yeah, I really enjoyed it. Mike, uh, I wanted to get your sense of it. Cause look, I, I, I don't pretend to know like what your general opinion is of, of, of the Arctic monkeys or whatever, but I know you've heard all their stuff and you probably generally have opinions. Where, where does it fall for you in their albums? It's probably for me, probably still in kind of the mid range of their albums, just because I really don't have one of their albums that I don't like. I like them all Uh, just, you know, favorite worst nightmare will probably always be my favorite for whatever reason. But how do you rate this? How do you rate suck it and see, uh, you know, compared to maybe some of the other ones of theirs that you might've enjoyed. Just be honest. I find it really hard to rate it.
2: Like uh, this, this album, it has basically, it's an album of two sides for me. I always has been, um, I, I, love cheese thunderstorms to open it. I was,
1: <laughs> like, I, I do. like this is why we have Mike on just to just to do this to scorch earth go ahead cheese i, I love cheese thunderstorms like it's it's a properly
2: brilliant track like um do you know what I, I, i'll always call it cheese thunderstorms because it is it's just what he says it's the name of this episode by the way brilliant um yeah but then i remember listening to it the first time like this this album for me this isn't a summer album this is a winter album like this for me is mm. it's, it's having a can of like pure old school dandelion and bear dock walking back That's from just the because
3: shop. Of the reference to Honestly, it.
2: I know, I know, <laughs> but, I, but, but for me, it's drinking that, walking back from the shop around the corner by the Five Ways by ours in the cold with me Parker on, like huddled up, listening to it like that. That's what it is for me. Do
3: you not get like being there, like the sunset and hear that... Do you not feel that? Mm.
2: Sometimes. But see, what's strange is I've seen Arctic Monkeys perform this album on this tour at Benicaseum, at the music festival in the middle of Spain in the (laughs) summer. Like I've seen that. Mm. So, and I still, I associate it more with like cold and wind and rain. And I think that is because i'm so conflicted with some of the music on it i think cheese thunderstorms to open it is just brilliant like just from the opening bars and just the opening line it's a fantastic track just to enter it but then it sort of becomes this m- higgledy piggledy mix of black treacle and brick by brick which i just don't i just don't is like, it like, like
3: treacle?
2: <sighs> i just I, I find it a little bit a little bit. There's just there's, as Art at Monkey songs go, they either have a hook that just gets you, or there is a quick witted sense of emotion that gets you, and there is neither of those things in Black Treacle for me. I don't, I don't feel any attachment to it. I don't feel anything when I listen to it. I just feel it's a song that I get through to get to the Hellcat Spangled Shalala, which is excellent. Mm-hmm. Don't sit down because I've moved Drops your
3: chair.
2: Don't sit down because I've moved your chair. Is fantastic again. Yeah, and you hit with those songs. But I feel to get to the back end of this album, you have to get through the single that is brick by brick, which I think is just—I think it's a poor song. I don't like it very much. And Black Treacle, which I feel nothing for. You just have to get over that little bit to then really dig into this album because you end up with obviously Library Pictures, which is just
3: Library Pictures, such a tune.
2: What yeah. I think, um. One of my favourite songs by Arctic Monkeys is "The Jeweler's Hands on Humbug." I love "The Jeweler's Hands" mm-hmm. the song. It's just—it's so different. The words are just the way it's lyrically put together is excellent, and it reminds me of the way that that album sort of slopes a little bit. That's where I see "Don't Sit Down" because moved your chair, then into "Library Pictures." Then, sort of getting towards Reckless Serenade and Pile Driver Waltz, where it's just, it sort of slopes very differently and very neatly one into the other. I'd love that. But Love is Laser Quest, again, I feel like I've hit another hump where it's just, it's another song that is just there. It feels a little bit like filler, but then you are hit with the best bit of the album hit would suck it in see, and that's where you're wrong because that's where you're wrong is the best song on that album by a mile it's just as you were it's saying good. there rob like yeah, to close, close out the album with that it's just it, just the lines of the chorus like the the way it flows and just the sort of passive aggressive tone of it is just it's it's exactly what the album is trying to put across and it sums it up in such a neat and nice way that you just go back and you start it all over again. I love it as an album, but I find it so challenging to just rank because there are songs in there that I just feel are so clunky. Like there's just a few that just don't either do anything for me personally or I don't think work within it.
3: But, but you know what, I've had that said so many times about this album, like, because I've always said this is my favourite Arctic album, and I always have that said to me, but then I do think it's sort of, I like that refreshing side of it, because Tranquility and Bass is probably my second favourite album. So in terms of Arctic, I'm not, like, with the mainstream, like, big chart toppers at all, so I like that refreshing side of it. And I think it's these albums where you get to hear the wacky and amazing song lyrics from Alex Turner, and I feel like they're the two albums for me which stand out like some of the, the, like how amazing of a songwriter he is, um, especially on Tranquility and that. But I think that's why I like it. and I, I, I just don't agree with how you can say
1: <laughs> album
3: can be a winter's album going to get a Dan Land Bill locking up winter's night you wouldn't do that on a winter's night that's such a summer thing to do
2: but see well, that's what I mean I'm a weird fella like I just' am. That's <laughs> me. but that's true bass is it's my favorite Arctic album oh
3: okay I've never met anyone who enjoys it think that that's so that's so that's the so
1: contrarian, Mike I love it <laughs>
2: you know, like I remember discussing this album with Rob when it came out And I think we discussed it on the first day and I went, I've just kind of got a, like just listen to it again, maybe in
1: a week, and yeah. see what happens.
3: And it's one of them you have to go the whole way through to how the artist intends it and appreciate it properly.
1: It's an yeah. album. It's an album's album in that it's meant to be listened and consumed. You know, to all all together, if if possible. Not that there aren't good individual parts, but I think you do it a disservice if you don't listen to it that way. But yeah, I totally
3: forward on five, but, which is sort of yeah, here's your big tune, isn't it? The rest yeah, is all yeah. getting through well, the actual story. I
2: remember. I remember listening to Golden Trunks for the first time and being like, "What is this?" Like, like just and I listen to it now and I love it, like because you have to listen to it that many times. But for me, that's the difference between that album and Suck It and See. I feel like, as you say, there is an attempt on both albums to sort of explore different areas because obviously, Suck It and See was after Humbug, 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 yeah, yeah, which twenty eleven. Yeah, which obviously comes with like long hair phase, cornerstone, and a very start to finish sort of nice sweep, as I spoke about. And then there's this, which is very just almost kind of higgledy piggledy, very different, and the lyrics are stranger. And it just provides you with very different sensations than the previous album did, a bit like the way you do with AM going into Tranquility Bass. But I oh, feel yeah. like that transition. It's almost as if, obviously, it's something they've seen before and done before, and it's Alex Turner. He's done that before with those two albums, and it's something he's learned from because there is no sort of clunkiness, I feel, on Tranquility Base as there is on Suck It and See. There is no almost,
1: does that quite fit? Does that fit? No, I'm not I, sure. I think with Suck It and See, the, what I came up with too was, I mean, I, I, I'm somewhere between the two of you, obviously, but I, I felt like... And probably because I've I've spent so much time with Humbug, I I personally can't with Humbug separate Josh Homme, the lead singer of Queens of the Stone Age, who produced the whole album. It's he, he's like a he's like another member of the band on that album in terms of the tone and the feel because Humbug is more of a hard rock it's i mean it's a stoner rock album essentially when i talk about stoner rock it's 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 a very particular type of of hard rock that's not metal but it's kind of psychedelic and hard at the same time and there was definitely more more of those kind of you know spacey a little bit more spacey psychedelic vibes to to humbug whereas with suck it and see i felt like the songs were tighter and i felt like the Now that doesn't necessarily mean they're better. They're just a tighter version of the songs. You know, they were all, if you look at the track listing, I mean, everything is under four minutes except for the final song. And it's, it's very, you know, it's, they're compact songs. They, they, they did seem to bring their guitars with them, uh, you know, from Humbug and and continue to be play them pretty, pretty hard, but not nearly the psychedelic elements to them. Not, not as spaced out for sure. But, I think it's one of those albums that where the highs may not be as high for some people, like in terms of the singles and the other things, whereas, you know, favorite worst nightmare or, you know, their debut or AM, they just have these standout banger type songs. I thought this was to your point, Hannah, I think it was, it's a really good album that, You can, if you're not paying attention while you're listening to it, can become background music. But if you're really paying attention, you understand how good the lyrics are. I think that's the thing about Alex Turner is that consistently of this era of music, he's one of the best lyricists that we have. Um, Regardless of how you feel about the rest of the, the music, he is a great songwriter. So. Wow. Okay. So I don't want to spend all the time on that album, but man, great Arctic Monkeys discussion. Um, I want to get to the to the second album. I'm gonna use. I'm gonna do mine because we've done a lot of Strokes Stock, uh, but we'll end with that one. Um, but we can do this one a little, maybe a little quicker, since Mike won't be able, maybe won't have thought to be able to participate <laughs> since he didn't hear. It. But um, an album that is a favorite of mine, as well as a favorite of our our friend from Everton, aren't we, Chico Azul? Uh, as well, is uh, Simple Things by. Uh, zero seven and hannah i'll come to you because i i remember when we got off the episode a couple weeks ago you said you were about to go i think you were going to go work out in the garden and you thought you put it on then i don't know if that you ended up doing that or not but part of the reason it's such a summer jam and i think you can kind of understand after having listened to it is everything about the entire uh, pacing, the rhythm, the, the particular instruments they use. And while it's called an electronic album and there are some, some synthy effects in it, it's, it really is a lot of, you know, keyboard, bass, guitar, guitar, you know, drums, uh, and kind of a it's very chilled out almost at times psychedelic type of vibe for those of you who really like moon safari by air which it it gets compared to sometimes i think sometimes that can be a bit too simplistic but it's got that same sort of i use the word vibe pretty liberally in this regard because it's got that same sort of aesthetic to it in some ways uh hannah i'll come to you um i'm curious because i know you hadn't really heard this album before or spent any real time with it you may have recognized (laughs) a song here or there but uh what what were your thoughts on it? what did What did you What did you think of it overall?
3: Straight away, it's a summer album. It's one of them where it's like a summer's evening, there. Do you know what I mean? Where you like sat out and it's still hot, like sat on the deck on all porch, whatever American would call it, um, just chilling. Like that's purely when I got onto it. I thought it it's just that perfect summery album, which I really enjoyed. But there were so many elements which reminds me of reminds me of quite current albums that i listen to now or like you said with, it is electronic but it's the use of instruments so it reminds me so much i don't know if you're familiar with tom mish
1: i'm not I'm so he's
3: not. he's an english artist he's had like a few albums out now but it really reminds me of um so it's his beat tape beat tape two that he brought out i think it was a. Of, five years ago now and it was the use of the beats in with the sack but um with the sax but still quite melodic in that as well it just reminds me of that so much so i really liked it and it also reminds me of the, the xx can exist album i thought there was a mm. lot of similarities with that simply calm but i really loved it so um, in the waiting line Really, really, I've I've had that. That's the one I've played the most. And when you sent me the link before to that 2004 Glasgow performance, Mm -hmm. I was having to skip through and I got that. That was at the midpoints and watched that. And if that was my favourite track from the album, which I really enjoyed, and then also Out of Time, and that's the one which reminded me of Tom Mish's album the most. Which mm. uh, you go listen to B T Two and see if you get what I mean. It's just that sort of mixing in the electronic with saxophone, piano, and that, and it all complementing when you're not just noticing. Oh, there was instruments in there mixed in with all sim that I really, really liked. But at least I, I, I really liked it, and it made me want to be. In a Fezzy, but like <laughs> afternoon where you're having a beer and you like that way weird like beer drunk where you're not really drunk but you're just giddy and everything's like tipsy. Chill. Tipsy yeah. is what we call it. Tipsy, yeah. tipsy. No, but I really liked it and like it was one of them I hadn't hadn't heard of any of these tunes before, but yeah. really enjoyed listening to it. And it was. I think that's. I'll say it, more of a summer album than suck it and see. I think. Yeah. I think you won it, with the fit of being on brands.
1: <laughs> well, once again, not a competition. I uh, just wanted mm-hmm. us to talk about them, but you know, it's it, and I also would, of course, would recommend the follow-up when it falls, which aesthetically feels very much like a sequel uh, to Simple Things. A lot of the same personnel, as I mentioned before. Uh, Zero Seven is really two guys who are who are kind of they're the artists or whatever, but they have a, an extended family, if you will, of, yes, of like rotating. Lead singers, yeah, like obviously, this is where uh Sia's big breakthrough was. Uh, Destiny is um, is probably still my favorite track on the album, but uh, she's on a f- couple of the songs there, she's on a few more on the next one. Um, but but no, you have the rotating lead singers, uh, so a couple of them, you know, you have male lead singers, female lead singers, so it'll offer kind of a different, uh, a different um feeling to some of the songs. But I think, Hannah, you nailed it, it is sort of that, uh, a little, the little bit before. For drunk in the sun sort yeah. of you know or late late dusk uh sort of time it's frame uh,
3: dusk, exactly yeah. that and you're sitting down got a few candles it's all pretty chill but yeah. one thing i will say distractions is like proper ele- lift music that's all i got from that but it was like that yeah. nice you can get shit done while listening to it type of thing if that makes sense yeah
1: no for sure and it's it's kind of a sexy album too. I mean, there's, there's the themes in it are very much that, and even the songs, there are some of the songs that are just purely instrumental too. They have a vibe to it, but they don't feel sexy in a sleazy way. They feel sexy in just a, in a cool, intimate, mysterious sort of way. It's hard to describe, but uh, no, 1950s, I'm No, <laughs> nah, well, that's, you know, that's almost more like Porta said, but yeah, I don't know. I, I, I don't want to, I, I will Mike be interested at some point when you get a chance to listen to it. L- I'd love to hear your impressions. Of I will say it, it's an album that you can put on and it's impossible to be, it's really impossible to, to be in a bad mood after you listen to it for me, just because it's, it very much, it's a de-stressor uh, of an album, if you And
3: it's one yeah. you didn't want to skip a tune on either because it all just flows perfectly. It's like, it tranquillity. Yeah. it's one of them. You want to listen yeah. how the. Artist intended. Because it for all sure. flows perfectly, but I very much enjoy this. So
1: very cool, very cool. Well, if and for those of you out there who are you know weird vinyl nerds like me, uh, they just zero seven's recently been reissuing all their albums on vinyl, and it, it is a great album to listen to on the turntable if you get a chance. Um, I want to end with angles. Um, I know I've, we've teased it a lot, and I think you guys all kind of know my opinion on it in general. But uh, Mike brought angles by the Strokes on, uh, and really. I know how Mike feels about it. I think Mike's already said how he feels about it Um, though. I know you'll have some comments too. And, and Hannah, I don't hope you don't take this as an opportunity for retribution for him, you know, trashing, sucking (laughs) and see Uh, I'm just kidding. He didn't trash it, but um, I'll just hand it over to you, Hannah, by by saying that what is so interesting about angles to me, uh, and this has been referenced before is that, that, this was at a period where the band was so dysfunctional that Julian Casablancas, the lead singer, was literally on the other side of the country recording this album. They were all in New York, he was in LA, and he was recording the vocal tracks uh, separately from them. And yet, as you've seen oftentimes with a great, a lot of great albums, sometimes when the band is not getting along, sometimes they make some of their best music. Um, you know, at Ab- Abbey Road, the Beatles were at their low point. You could argue with Abbey Road uh, and th- that's, it's a fantastic album and, and uh, you know, a lot of bands have done that sort of thing, but with angles, it is such a, whereas I always think of, I always think of, um, I always think of uh, is this it? And, uh, Room on Fire is almost being albums that sound like they're timeless in a way that they would have fit really well into like late 70s rock. They get compared to the band television quite a bit, which if you've never heard Marquee Moon by television, if you're a Strokes fan, it's just a fantastic album. Uh, But Angles kind of was their shift almost into the new wave and alternative 80s, if you will, in terms of the vibe of that sound. Um, It reminds me a lot of some of the experimentation that bands like the Cars we're doing. I know I made a recommendation to Mike recently to listen to Candio, which is the second album by the Cars. Uh, I think it has, it's not, I'm not saying it's the exact same album, but you could see kind of the the the, the influences there of bands like that on, on the strokes at a later point. But um, it's a summer album for me because of just the, how colorful it feels. Everything from, sometimes an album cover will set the tone. And when you look at the album cover of Angles and how colorful it is, and then you hear that music, that music feels like a kaleidoscope of sound. That you just weren't necessarily anticipating from the strokes. And um, even the songs that don't go down perfectly easy the first time you hear it, they really grow on you over time. But having said that, Angles does have some songs that to me are, are among their best Uh, stand shoulder to shoulder with their giant singles from those first two albums um, um, for sure Um, even the you know the album opener Machu Picchu uh, is just a killer track that I just never get tired of hearing Uh, taken for a fool undercover darkness Uh, my my personal favorite on the album is the closer uh, uh, life is simple in the moonlight I don't there's just something I saw them perform that on Saturday night live and it was it's so lovely if you ever get a chance to find that clip, which I know they lock it down sometimes, but it's a great clip. Uh, When you see it live, you're like, now I get the idea behind this. It's so great. But Hannah, all that to preface to say, I want to hear your opinion on angles. Uh, Before I, I want to ask, and so you can answer this part too, had you Spent time with their other albums besides Angles before this, or maybe you had even spent time with Angles and you had to revisit it. Tell me a little bit about that.
3: Yes, so you know what? So, since the new Abnormal came out, I've been diving back into a lot more of the show because I just hadn't visited in a few years, admittedly. Um, so I got back into them. And I said when Mike made that suggestion, I was like, Oh my god, because I was actually sat in the garden all morning listening to Angles, so it was something that I've been listening to very recently because. They've been on a lot of festival lineups for next year and stuff, and I've been sort of so put me focus on the depression of twenty twenty on who I have you see seen next them? Yeah, no, have you
1: seen them work? Oh, no. No, it's so they're doing prime of
3: Era next year, and like it's one of the things which really lifts up to me. So because of like new abnormal and everything, I've been listening some loads anyway. But I love this album. Taken for the fool is one of my. It's such a good track. Like to me, that's the strongest one on the album. I absolutely love it when we were um after we spoke um last week about what it was like to do any song that I ever like, I have to go and watch it live if it's been done live to make me full opinion on it. And I was watching some clips of it and it's just such a tune. But I wouldn't it's not my fav it's not my favourite exam, because I am gonna say the new abnormal is I absolutely love that, but it's that thing again. I've really? had that yeah, that different side, that more electronic alternative kind of thing, which I really like. But mm-hmm. um, a belted album. Belted album. Nice. I totally enjoyed it.
1: It's it's interesting that you bring up uh, The New Abnormal just because I really liked it quite a bit. And it does also feel like a summer album, maybe because I'm probably unduly influenced, Mike, by the fact that there's a song called Endless Summer on that album that I like so much. But um, you've it's heard him. my it's feedback. Eternal Summer. <laughs> Eternal Summer. Yes. Um, but Mike, you've heard Hannah and I's feedback so far. Um, it is. Remind me again, is this your, I I feel like it's a bold enough statement for me to say Angles is, if I'm being totally honest, is probably my second favorite Strokes album. But it wouldn't surprise me if continuing on this trajectory over the next few years, it, it just ends up becoming my favorite. Whether you call it the best or not, my favorite may end up becoming Angles. Is Angles your favorite Strokes album at this point? Or is it just, is it just a case of you feel like it's actually the best or, or how would you define it at this point? Um
2: I think it's malleable for me. I think Is This It is the first album, first record I ever bought myself with my own money. And it's always going to hold that really, really special place in my heart. And there's so many, like just from the initial belt of the first, very first just bars of Is This It, it's just so... Just nostalgic in my own brain. I think I'll always hold it in just that such high regard, and there's such a high level of quality, and obviously there's all the groundbreakingness of that album itself that goes with it. But I think you've hit on something there. Is my actual most the most enjoyment I take from one of their albums is this album. I think mm-hmm. my favorite part of this album is um what's it called? Is it Call Me Back? Just I love that song. Just like it's when you start this album, the flounciness of it is so summery. It's, it's a pair of denim shorts, this album. That's what it is. (laughs) It's just something that is not quite as it should be in acceptable society, but you love it anyway. It's (laughs) a pair of denim shorts that you've turned up at the ends and you love to bits but there's some parts of it that just are a little bit strange and a little bit weird, whether mm-hmm. it's pockets being weird or maybe the belt, the waistlines come away a little bit or it's worn and call me back. Is that weird part of it where the tone changes in such a way that it dips back into melancholic that, is so synonymous with the early angriness of their albums, but it does it in such a way that the flountiness is still there. Like If you listen to the actual score of the music and the way that track finishes, just with the little incremental scale right at the end that just sort of sweeps and moves into the next track, it's just millions. Oh, yeah, brilliant.
1: Like, I, yeah I, it's followed by gratisfaction, which is just like almost oh, baby, baby. Dun, 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 dun. Yeah, it gets back into the light, almost like early eighties Billy Joel feeling of of you know pop. It's great. It's like,
2: it's like it never happened. Like it's it, it just and it just all reminds me of just being sat somewhere incredibly warm. Like I saw this this album performed live again, like when I saw them live. And it was just it's on a memory that I'll have forever. It was just incredible. And I love it. And I get that some people might find it just so just a bit, not the strokes, and that's fine. Just enjoy it as something different. It doesn't have well, to be.
3: But isn't that funny? You- is the
1: same thing for the Arctic monkey
3: That's Monkeys. what I was just about yeah, to say. Yeah. That's why I have Suck It and See is one of my favourite albums because it's that bit different. It's sort of a thing where you're established now, you can have a bit more fun, and that's, it, I think, where you find the best part of some albums where people are just letting loose and taking a bit more risks with the sounds, which I think Angles and Suck It and See both are.
1: Oh definitely. Yeah. Well, and that's the thing, the only question, you know, I never mind a band decide I mean, art art is interesting as when it evolves and it changes and, you know, new things are tried. The only question that's important to the listener is are you still interested in this band? Are they making, are they doing or saying or performing something that you still find compelling even if you're not totally sure of the reasons why um or if you're okay with the fact that it doesn't sound exactly like the old familiar, like to me, it's sort of like a, it's weird how we evaluate albums in that way. Because if I had a favorite author and I felt like every one of his books was following the kind of the exact same formula every time I'd get really bored. I just wouldn't keep reading his books or his or her books at that point. Whereas, We, there are a lot of people who are like, they get upset when the band doesn't continue to kind of make this a a new variation on the same formula and the same style Uh, that gets boring after a while. You know, I, I've sometimes joked that like, you know, what, what would Nirvana have sounded like if, Cobain had survived and they had to continue to evolve and change would people have probably inevitably gotten mad that their albums don't sound like nevermind <laughs> anymore or don't sound like in new- Europe. Like I, I think that bands like uh, the strokes and Arctic monkeys, uh, you, you can, I think they're okay even with ba- with certain segments of their fans, not liking some of their new albums because to them at this point, it's not about that. It's about them being fulfilled by trying new ideas and and, and doing something different. Yeah, but that's the,
3: the thing. With Alex Taylor, he says he achieved everything he could with a guitar. That's why when he got the piano for his birthday, it changed everything because to him, everything was just becoming a replica of what he's done on a guitar. And I think that's the important turning points with artists when they make different material because. You can't, if can't just keep writing the same kinds of tune all the time. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. If, if there's no, even consuming so- it, but coming up with her as well. It just shows the range and everything, which I appreciate.
1: <laughs> oh, lovely. Well, guys, we have almost hit the 90 minute mark today. Oh, it's going to piss off some of our my fellow blue room uh, administrators I'm sure no not I piss off but they're always like 90 minutes my goodness can anyone actually you know take 90 minutes of talk but Mate, we did how they will. we did an 11s episode that was an hour 45 last night so oh, I think you're all right. there
3: and, you go not
1: even the longest episode this week on exactly blue room, and I feel great about it well uh, guys thank you as always uh great fo- fo- great football. Food and music chat. I mean, that's really all that life is about, right? So I, I am going to say we,
3: you will have to return with us though because you didn't get round to your favorite film. So uh, yes,
1: <laughs> I. I could tell it to you right now, and then and then tease it for later. But I should wait. I should wait. We should give it the time it really deserves to have that discussion. Because I did think I did think about it, and I came up with my favorite film. And I think it'll be a bit of a curveball for you guys. But it's you'll be familiar with the director and the actors. It's just probably an older film. But I'm I'm looking forward to talking about it. <laughs> all right, guys. Well, it's been a fantastic chat. Uh, stay tuned to all of the content because god we just love content on this thing uh that's coming from blue room uh, as mike talked about before if you're a, uh, an extra subscriber d- definitely get on the 11th it's always one of the the most entertaining highlights of the week um we'll of course have post-match coming up uh, after tomorrow uh we're recording this on wednesday so we've got the game against southampton tomorrow uh and then of course we'll have all their usual shows and uh, we'll of course be back again next week for more kickabout take care